shirts are like clothing fashion trends. They come into and out of style. And if you wait long enough, back into style again. One of my favorite pop culture research tools is Google Trends. Google Trends keeps a global finger on the pulse of what's hot and what's not in the world of nutrition and diets and tracks this over time based on the popularity of search terms. Now, a research team has mined this wealth of data to produce a snapshot of the ever-changing diet trends with some surprising results. Welcome to the Thinking Nutrition Podcast. My name is Tim Crow, and I'm a career researcher, educator, and science communicator with most of this spent in the field of nutrition. How do you make sense of so much conflicting information in the field of nutrition? While I don't profess to have all the answers in an area that is continually changing as research changes, you can count on what is covered in this podcast to be based on the whole field of nutrition science, not just selective areas that support a particular way of thinking. And this podcast will always be free from any commercial product tie-ins, endorsements, or advertisements. Just credible nutrition science presented in plain and simple language and then translating this into what it means for your health. So on with today's show. Keeping up with diet trends can be a full-time job at times. There is never a shortage of new nutrition and diet fads with their promises of easy and sustainable weight loss and a new diet paradigm to a way of eating that will be best for your health. Some of these trends come into and out of popularity. I mean, the keto diet is nothing but another rebranding of a low-carbohydrate diet that has come into and out of popularity for decades. Some of the nutrition trends, like the Mediterranean diet, have a strong research base behind them, whereas others are just pure made-up fantasy. And I'm talking about you, blood type diet here with an estimated 80% of internet users perceiving web health-related information as being reliable and up to 85% of people using the internet to search for health and nutrition information, then the internet has a powerful ability to shape nutrition and diet trends, be it a desire to lose weight or to just eat healthier. Enter the stage for my most popular research tool, that being Google Trends. Google Trends is a freely accessible tool dedicated to estimating the relative search volume of queries done through Google. You'll find it at trends.google.com. Google Trends works by giving a search term a relative value of 0 to 100, where 100 equals the peak of popularity in a given period and geographic location and zero equals complete disinterest. Enter a Polish research team who amped up the Google Trends analysis to create a research paper that aimed to rank the most popular diet search terms among Google users globally and locally, as well as seasonal trends in the years from 2004 to 2019. And I'll link to the paper in the show notes. The team analyzed Google Trends for 47 different search terms, covering a whole range of popular diets and ways of eating. Most of them I'd heard of, but a few I hadn't. 
I mean, the cookie diet, anyone? Yes, eat your way to thinness by chowing down on cookies. Uh, Oh, wait, and also eating a small evening meal and keeping your total energy intake to under 1,200 calories a day, which includes the cookies, which you have to buy, of course, from the diet promoters. Okay, I'll stop there before I facepalm myself into unconsciousness. Instead, let's move on to what the research study found. Despite the hype you may hear about keto and other flavors of low-carbohydrate diets on social media, it was veganism, vegetarianism, and gluten-free that were all ranked well above them and filled the first three search-term popularity spots by a substantial amount. Next came a variety of rebrandings of low-carbohydrate diets, and then tailing off came all manner of flotsam and jetsam, from intermittent fasting and low FODMAP diets, right through to juice fasting and the grapefruit diet. The analysis of the trends from the most recent years showed an emerging interest in the low FODMAP diet, intermittent fasting, as well as topics related to plant-based diets and pescatarianism. All of this completely gels with my own observations for what the media reports on and people ask me about the most in recent times. Next, the research team looked at the change in popularity over time, and this is where the real gold lay in the study, as it showed the true fickle nature of many of these trends, and which rightly should be called fads. Interest in several topics, including the 5-2 fasting diet, the Cambridge diet, cookie diet, juice fasting, master cleanse, and the paleo diet, as well as raw veganism, showed a clear fad pattern in search terms. And in a surprise to no one, interest in all topics showed seasonal variation, with the strength of most search terms peaking in January as New Year's resolutions kicked in and falling to their lowest number of queries in December, representing the full year-long cycle of all diets. What this study uncovered was the diversity of trends and fads that people are exposed to by choice when they go searching on the internet. So with so much noise and information covering every possible position on the nutrition spectrum, how is a person to make sense of the conflicting nutrition messages they read and hear about each day? Carbohydrates cause weight gain. Fat causes weight gain. We're designed to eat like our Paleolithic ancestors. Glycemic index is the key to health. Intermittent fasting is the best way to lose weight. Sugar and grains are toxic. Saturated fat is bad for you. Oh, no, wait, now it's good for you. I could not blame anyone for throwing their hands up in despair, proclaiming that all nutrition health messages are bunkum because they are always changing. Well, I am beyond the point of tired in wanting to debate the merits of any one particular diet over another. Nutrition is not always an exact science, and we don't always have the best quality evidence to support recommendations. But nutrition scientists and people behind the construction of public health nutrition recommendations are not evil people who seek out to confuse and mislead the public. Such work is done in the context of seeking out all of the available evidence and attempting to see what side of the health ledger the evidence tips. Evidence that does change over time. But digging deeper, the basic fundamentals have never really changed. 
Despite a never-ending stream of sensationalist fad diets, there are common themes that overlap across all of the popular diets that people search for on Google. Themes that give you the keys to long-term health in a simple-to-understand message. Putting a heavy dose of some much-needed sense into the mostly pointless way of debating whose way of eating is best, a review paper has made a real effort in trying to answer the almost impossible question of what is the best diet for health. The authors looked at the defining characteristics and rationale behind all of the diet camps that stake their flag in this space, and I'll link to this review paper in the show notes. And here is the key summary of all the analysis. The different diet ideologies could be distilled down into several distinct dietary patterns. And these were, in no particular order, a low-carbohydrate diet, a low-fat diet, a low-glycemic index diet, a Mediterranean-style diet, a mixed-balanced diet more in line with broad dietary guidelines, a Paleolithic diet, and finally, a vegan or vegetarian diet. Now, firstly, there are distinct differences between each of these dietary patterns, but there is also a lot of overlap, and it is the overlap where the key message is. A common theme of all of these dietary patterns was the foods that were not eaten, and these were mostly highly refined starches, added sugars, and ultra-processed convenience foods. And what about the commonality between them of what was eaten? There was a strong emphasis on whole plant foods with or without lean meats, fish, poultry, or seafood. So to quote from the authors from the paper, the clutter of competing claims likely obscures the established body of knowledge and forestalls progress, much like the proverbial trees and the forest. So translation here, there is too much noise about what differentiates the different diet ideologies, when more focus should be on what unites them. There is no one best diet for health, but a theme that can be copied and individualized. A dietary pattern that is made up of mostly minimally processed plant foods and which is low in highly processed foods and added sugar consistently comes out on top in offering the best long-term health. There is no one food or food group that deserves demonizing. A dietary pattern is a flexible way of eating, not a set of rules that has to be followed to the letter of the law. Get the basics right and you can hit the snooze button on needing to ever again pay attention to anything you ever read or hear in the media or from the populist diet book gurus or from what you search and find on Google for that matter. So now onto my research wrap-up segment where I profile a study that has grabbed my attention during the week. And for this week, it is a study that looked at diet habits linked to surviving cancer. Cancer is a major disease killer. Thanks though to earlier detection and improved treatments, more and more people are surviving a cancer diagnosis and going on to live long lives. Well-supported diet and lifestyle recommendations are already in place for how a person can lower their own individual risk of developing cancer. Less evidence exists, though, to make clear recommendations for diet for cancer survivors. Looking at studies that surveyed the diet and lifestyle habits of cancer survivors finds a sparse research field. 
only a few key cancers have been studied and results can appear contradictory. Further complicating things, some studies only looked at pre-diagnosis diet, while others examine post-diagnosis diet. And we know that a person's diet can change once they are diagnosed with cancer. So this could introduce some level of bias. So with a mixed research field of diet among cancer survivors, a German research team collated together 117 studies involving over 200,000 cancer survivors into a single meta-analysis. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. What they found was perhaps not too surprising. Higher consumption of vegetables and fish had a favorable link with longer survival. Alcohol, though, was linked with a worse outlook. Grouping together whole diets found that one type of diet stood out. Termed whole foods, prudent or healthy, depending on the terminology used in the study, a common theme was a dietary pattern high in fruits and vegetables and whole grains, but low in red processed meat, refined grains and high fat foods. Eating around this sort of dietary pattern was linked to a 22% lower risk of earlier death. The opposite of a healthy diet was labelled as a Western diet, high-fat diet, or high-sugar snacks diet, or simply an unhealthy diet, depending on the terminology used in each study. And this sort of diet comprised one of mostly processed meat, refined grains, and lots of added sugar. And this sort of dietary pattern was linked with a higher earlier mortality risk from cancer, almost 50%, compared to similar people with a similar cancer diagnosis who are following a healthier diet. Greater numbers of people are surviving cancer than ever before. With more people surviving cancer comes a greater need to spotlight the key lifestyle choices that raise survival odds even more. Dietary patterns that are closely connected to foods near to the natural state particularly fruits, vegetables, fish, and whole grains, currently sit at the top of the evidence tree for people with cancer to be steered towards, to give them the best chance of surviving the cancer and potentially stop it from coming back. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on, if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com. And click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition.